Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to PR360. Uh, My guest today is Brian Bogart, who is a performance coach, motivational speaker, and business strategist who strives to create unparalleled growth for individuals and organizations. He's worked with businesses and nonprofits, including the Lockton Companies and the American Cancer Society. He's also a member of the Forbes Council, an invite-only community for the most successful executives and entrepreneurs. Brian's purpose in life is to share his truth to give others permission to share theirs, or to live theirs, I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, Brian, thank you so much for showing up on the show. Is there anything I forgot in the bio? No, I just think that whatever bio you grabbed, maybe it was from our website or something. I'm not sure. It's an old one. So, uh, it's uh, it it's still has some elements of relevancy based on who I am, but a lot of the language and the ways that we're helping and moving people today look and feel a little different than those words, but that's okay. Okay, cool. So anything we should update that people need to know to not miss the point of what we're after here? Yeah, I mean, I would tell you that our biggest focus right now, um, and we work with typically high-performing entrepreneurs. Uh, we work with a lot of athletes. We work with some of the highest performers in business and, and, and across the world. But essentially, we are becoming known as, uh, or I'm becoming known as the garbage man and the heart surgeon without a blade because I go inside and I help people identify and remove the trash from their past that continues to show up as their biggest problems in business, relationships, health, and life. And we teach them and show them how to transform their waste into wealth and why digging in is actually the only way to connect and convert in their businesses. So we're helping bring exponential growth, but really in the alignment with who people are and allowing them to stand in their power potential and live the lives that they've always wanted, but have always felt we're just out of reach. Wow, that's incredible. And just to back things up a little bit, because I know you have a dramatic story, and I'm sure you've told it a billion times, but just to get our audience up to speed here, uh, can you tell us what happened on August 10th, 1992? Yeah, it was a 115 degree day that day. My mom, my brother and I had gone to our local Walmart to just get a one inch paintbrush. Anybody who's known me for more than a couple of minutes or who's even listened to this so far can probably tell I walk fast, I talk fast, I move fast, and I'm loud, right? (laughs) So the idea of me being at the car first wasn't necessarily a surprise to anybody. But as I was standing there waiting for my mom to unlock the doors, because this was back in the days before key fobs. So I had to wait for her to grab the literal keys, reach in her pocket purse and stick it in the door and go on with our way. There was a truck that pulled up in front of the store and the driver and middle passenger got out. Passenger all the way to the right felt the truck moving backwards. So Todd, he did what any one of us would do. And he's going to put his foot on the brake, but he instead hit the gas. Oh. Combination of shock and force threw him up on the steering wheel. And before he knew it, he was going 40 miles an hour across the parking lot right at us with no time to react. He hit my car, knocked me over, ran over me diagonally, tearing my spleen, leaving a tire track scar on my stomach and continuing on to completely sever my left arm from my body. Wow. Next thing my mom hears is my brother's voice saying, Mom, Brian's arm is over there. And as she gazes up from my body and glances over to where he was pointing, she sees a trail of my muscle cooking on the asphalt like hamburger and my arm sitting 10 feet away. I I give you that visual because both of them saw things that I will never see, right? right? Their experience through all of this was different than mine, but it was a unique experience for each and every one of us that impacted all of us. And I always have to honor the woman who was there that day who saved my life and my limb. 
uh, as a part of the story because there was a nurse that walked out of the store right when that took place. And I've said for years that I was forever indebted to this woman for her choice to go into action that day. That statement became even more powerful when I realized last year when I met her for the first time on the 30th anniversary oh. that she had a friend with her that day who was also a nurse who did not go into action. Oh. I want to be clear. I have no negative feelings towards the nurse who chose not to. That's well within her right. There's no resentment, no nothing. But it reinforces the point that I'm impressing upon all of you, which is that choice in that moment saved my life and has had a ripple effect for hundreds of thousands of others since. Wow. She stopped the bleeding on the Wayne Moon, saved my life, and she instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, get my arm on ice within minutes in a cooler. That's why I have my life and my limb. And I know I've got a unique story, Todd, but I always have to say this at the end of this. Every single one of you listening right now has a unique story. Right. So regardless of the extremities of your stories, what's important is that you learn how to pause and become aware of the lessons you can extract from your stories so you can become intentional in how you apply them moving forward. And I'm sure we'll unpack some of those today, Todd. Yeah. So what's the main barrier that you think that most people have to living their truth or to living the life to their fullest and, you know, being mired in, in the waste of their lives? What's, what's, what are the biggest barriers that you come across with people? Uh, well, uh, the barriers all exist from the trash from your past. Now, what is the trash from your past? People are like, what is that? What are you talking about? It is literally those things or things that have happened to you throughout your life that have caused intellectual and emotional narratives that cause you to react in moments instead of be able to respond, right? It's the emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning from typically the first seven to 14 years of life that have these belief systems that then people go out and only further validate with their choices, the people they surround, the situations and knowledge they consume, but yet there's an unconscious element of disconnection that still exists. Mm -hmm. It's those moments like I used to have with my wife where she'd say something as simple as this, Todd, hey honey, what are we gonna do with the kids this weekend? And the trash from my past, because I would hear it through my shame filter and I still was dealing with anger at the time, would cause me to react this way. I would hear it literally this way. Hey, honey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father here recently, so what are you going to do to make up for it this weekend? Right? Now, all of a sudden, I'm triggered. I feel my, my heat wave going, my blood pressure going, and I'm going to rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last four days to show her I'm a good husband and father. When in reality, that wasn't even the question she asked. But how often are people reacting to what's right in front of them when it has nothing to do with what's right in front of them? It has everything to do with how their grandpa looked at them when they were four. Right. Right. And so that is the greatest thing keeping people stuck is their inability to see what is truth right now versus what's my cellular memory from the trash from my past. It's funny. It's like you've been eavesdropping on what goes on in my home when you just said that, because there's many times when my wife says something very simple to me and I immediately get terribly defensive about it. And, and then she looks at me like I have two heads, but I'm, I'm still hearing that she said something that was challenging me or uh, judging me uh, based on my worth as a parent or father. So you gave it was completely neutral. Yeah. <laughs> because your cellular memory put emphasis on something that wasn't even there. Yeah. That's, that's not fair that we're wired that way, but I guess that probably has something to do with how humans kind of have a negativity bias where we're kind of always looking for the problem in the room versus the opportunity. I think it's conditioned into us, though, brother. Like, think about this, right? We are all born as our brightest, most authentic burning light. And then what happens from the time we're literally two 
parents, teachers, employers, and coaches start saying, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You shouldn't be that. You should want this. You shouldn't want that. You should make this amount of money, have this kind of house, run with these kind of people. And all we're doing is shitting all over people, which is channeling people further and further down into this funnel that now is going to be the box that the world has told me who I am and that they will accept me as. People don't live in alignment with who they are. They live with who the world told them to be. And that's why there's so much disruption because there's truly a lack of alignment between how they're showing up in the world and their natural authentic state. So how do you get past that? So I would tell you that most people have to reach an element of pain or suffering in their life that is so great that they realize they don't want to any longer feel like garbage. Okay. So like great example, I had a client that I worked with right at the beginning of COVID. He came to me. He has a commercial real estate company in development, investment, and property management. He went and he told his team that they had 17 months of liquidity left. Mm. He was trying to tell them all that they needed to go look for other jobs and he was going to do everything he could to extend it. Right. They were on the tail end of a $600,000 settlement that he lost. He personally was owed over a quarter million dollars by his own company. He foregoed in his own earnings to make sure his team had them. Wow. Right. He was living in the same house they'd been in for the last decade. And he was all of a sudden, even though he'd ridden his bike from coast to coast in the United States more than once in his life, sedentary, drinking and not moving forward in his life. Wow. Right. Yeah. He thought that it was a strategic and tactical problem. Right. If I get the right operational leader, if I get the right sales leader, if I get this. But the reality of it is he tried to replace all these different pieces with the same freaking result. Right. Now all of a sudden we get engaged and in a matter of three months, we identify that he has a deep, deep, deep level of shame that's connected to a relationship and conversation and pattern between his dad and his brother that took place over the period of about 20 years of his life. Wow. That's caused him to have this scarcity protectionary mindset because he was never seen, never good enough, never understood, never connected. Well, what did that lead to? Disconnection with his clients, scarcity and energy when he was going around big fundraises. But why do I tell you all this? Literally, over the course of the next six months, we unpacked and unwound the intellectual and emotional narratives that had formed in all these critical moments in his life and really dissected how they were showing up in his life, in his personal relationship with his wife and his kids, in his business, all the way around. Wow. 18 months later, here was the result. Wow. They had not only extended well beyond the 17 months, he had extended raises and two new lines of employee benefits in that following year. That following year, wow. he himself not only fully reimbursed himself, but he netted over 600 positive grand for the earnings in that year alone. They completed three eight-figure fundraising rounds for three development projects, all within a matter of 60 days, and they'd never done an eight-figure raise before. They did three of them. Wow. They literally 4 x their company over the course of the next 18 months by the leader understanding where his trash was being buried and being able to transform it into the treasures that now are creating the path for their future. What's interesting about this anecdote is that this individual was, his, his trash was essentially his reaction to another relationship, right? It always is, yeah. Right, but, but I'm thinking to myself, if, if I was doing some type of self-inventory, I'd probably be looking at my relationship to a parent or sibling or you yep. know, wife or whatever, and, and completely miss the fact that it could be the fact that my mother and sister fought a lot when I was little. Exactly. And that put me into a certain position. I wouldn't look at that because, and that's, that's what a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't. In fact, when they look at me, they're like, well, I've never had a trauma like you. I couldn't have all the trash that you had to unpack. Yeah. 
And I'm like, your trauma could have literally been your dad choosing your sister to go to ice cream more Fridays nights than he chose you. It could have been as simple as you loaded the dishwasher incorrectly when you were four and you had this belief system that it was never gonna be right, never gonna be good enough because of the way your grandpa reacted to you. Mm. Like, it doesn't have to be trauma. It can be moments where we don't feel seen, understood, safe, or protected, which means we don't feel connected. And so to your whole point exactly, like we don't even see this thing. The second we start believing that we're gonna be judged, criticized, our, our worth is gonna be tapped, we have to justify or defend in any way, the second that happens, we protect ourselves. Right. Which guarantees that we're gonna further disconnect ourselves. And I think that we're always gonna be criticized and judged no matter what. So is the point just to go, you know what, that's gonna come at me anyway. Uh, why not just keep continuing on my path and live my truth or push for my dreams? Well, here's the, here's the reality. I know a lot of high performing leaders and a lot of individuals that whether they choose to admit it publicly or not, will tell you often that they are getting judged in a way that's not congruent with their intent. Okay. There is a misalignment and a lack of conscious awareness around how actions are being delivered into the world. Because from my perspective, I literally thought my wife was attacking me. Right. That was my truth. That was my belief. It wasn't fabricated. That was the cellular reaction that I had. Right. Well, look at all the leaders in businesses that feel disconnected from their teams or feel like they can't ever get ahead of themselves or they aren't understood or how come they don't understand what I'm trying to say or why can't it ever get done the way that we envisioned and planned. Right. The world will never, ever, ever judge you based on your actions. They will always based or sorry on your intent. They will never judge you based on your intent. They will always judge you based on your actions. So part of this is to allow ourselves to bring congruence to our actions and our intent so that we're also received based on the way that we intended in this world. That's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. The other piece about trash that's important to understand is the trash from your past, 99% of the time, isn't even your fault. Right. <laughs> it just becomes your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in your trash. Right. And so if we can remove the blame and shame and start to realize like, oh, there's a chance that I'm not being received in the same way that I perceive I'm delivering it. That right there tells you there's a misalignment somewhere within you. The other side is people are like, well, how do I know I have trash? How do I know if this is even something I have to worry about? I can give you the short answer and say, everyone has trash. Right. Or I could ask you a question, which looks like this. And Todd, if you want to play a game and answer, actually answer this question for the benefit of your listeners, you can walk down that path or they can just take to toll of this. But the question is this, who was the last person that made you feel like garbage? Um... Let's see here. I had a, a family member made me feel like garbage. Okay. Correct. Yes. Are you able to talk at all about what happened? Uh, I'd rather not, actually, on this okay, one. Okay, that's I, fair. So let's take, it, let's take it specific then. The what is, is, is important, but it's less important than this next piece. Right. When they made you feel like garbage, how did that feel in your body? Uh, it, it almost felt like an extreme anxiety, like a, a, like a, a shaking... A almost almost like I was cowering. Um, okay. I want to pause you real quick, Todd. Yeah. And I want to say very clearly that you answered the question the same way most people do, because that's the language that we're given to describe our experiences, right? You had an emotion that you labeled yeah. and you labeled a feeling. But what's interesting is my question was, how did it feel in your body? And I'm meaning physiologically. Okay. okay. So most people say anxiety or stress or man, it felt heavy or I felt like I couldn't get my brain working. If you remember when I recalled mine, I told you my heart rate went, I felt a wave of heat over it. I felt this bubbling up of energy and that's when I rattled off. I want you to get in your body okay. and give me the physiological response. Uh, 
I don't. It's funny. I'm almost getting like colors in my. Maybe that's just my my creative side. Keep going. Like, no, no, like, it's not bad. There's a a, a a feeling of blue in it. Okay. Uh, a feeling of you're right. Heart rate up. Uh, jittery. I felt like my nerves were exposed. I felt. I felt the misalignment in my body between my brain, my mouth, my ability to communicate at the moment. Um, maybe kind of a lightness of my entire okay. body, like I was going to fly up and hit the ceiling or something. Like I wasn't moored in anything, I guess. And and if I were to ask you a question that looked like, are you familiar with other times in your life that you have that same physiological response or have had that same physiological response? Yes. And I feel like it was... Describe the situations. What were the situations? Describe the situations that made you feel that way. Uh, I think uh, I had a sister who was very kind of aggressive and older than me and kind of um, a big big personality and could kind of get angry a bit. And I, it was that similar feeling to when she'd get mad at me when I was eight or, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So you just gave yourself a really beautiful answer, right? Through the string of just a couple of questions. Yeah. Your sister is clearly a source of your pattern of protection. And it's not that your sister is bad or that it's her fault. I want right. to be really clear on that right. again. Whatever she was projecting was what was flowing through her based on what she generationally inherited and probably a flow down from your parents. But what you just described is I had to make myself small to keep myself safe. I felt like my nervous system was on tap because I felt like I was going to be under attack. Yeah. Right. And, and all of those times that you feel either not seen, not understood, disconnected, you don't feel safe or protected, you're feeling judged and criticism. Yeah. My guess is you have that same physiological response. Yes, definitely. And my guess is, is that 99% of the time it has nothing to do with what's right in front of you and it probably has everything to do with how you interacted with your sister way back yeah. when. Well, so how do you get... And the cellular yeah. response that's connected to it. Yeah, so how does one get rid of that type of gar exercise, yeah. that type of garbage? I, I mean, that's obviously so we have, we have, you're, you're, yeah. you're oh. the expert in that. Yeah, I mean, we, so we have five pillars uh, to taking out your trash. And I'll, I'll hit them quickly, but they're going to be like high level because uh, I know the time frame that we have and I want to make sure that people can track. So yeah. the beautiful part about this is I talk fast, but you can slow me down. So if at any point you're listening to this recording and you're like, I can't keep up, slow it down. Uh, but there's other places to go. The very first, I'm sorry, the caveat I have to give before I give you the pillars, these are not linear, okay? Oh, okay? It's more of an infinity that continues to loop back in and through itself, just like inherently you will, okay? The first step is awareness. And that might sound like cliche or, or, or there, but this is not just becoming more aware of all the ways that you should be judging yourself, which is what most people experience when they first start going down the questions of why, right? Awareness is about extracting how you feel the narratives and the lessons tied to your experiences that allow you to see you more clearly. Okay. okay? So I had to become aware that shame impacted my life. Shame yeah. impacted my business, how big I went. Shame impacted how much I could celebrate my wins because I felt the need to apologize for everything major I ever did. Shame affected the way I showed up in my house and my insecurity as a husband, as a father that then projected anger into my world. Mm -hmm. I had to become aware of that because the unavoidable precursor to change is acceptance. Right. Until we accept the current state of things, we cannot alter them. But unless we're aware of them, we can't be intentional with them either. Yeah, fair. Right? Yeah. So awareness is different. Again, it's, it's purely through the lens of non-judgment, no blame, no shame. This is purely for facts and perspectives. Mm -hmm. The second pillar is ownership. 
okay? This is actively accepting your part or your responsibility for your issues in life, business, relationships, and health. Again, blame and shame are off the table. This is about perspective. But here's the reality. Ownership has two parts to it. I have to own the fact that shame and anger had impacts in my life, mm -hmm. but I also have to own the fact that I buried other people in that trash and I created damage. Uh -huh. Part of ownership is repair, okay? So what does that mean? I gave you the example of my wife where I'd rattle that off, right? That dynamic existed. One of the first things I did when we started to unpack my anger is I went out to breakfast with her parents and I sat down with them and we had a conversation and I told them that their daughter deserved better, that I was gonna show up better, that I was gonna do these things. And her dad looked at me straight in the eye and he says, great, you talk a lot, show me. Which oh. goes back to the point I was telling you before, right? The world's never gonna judge you based on your intent. They're always gonna judge you based on your actions. Right. I had to show him that it was truth before he could trust. Ownership is also associated to repair. Real quick, it reminds me of a quote. Yeah. Oh. Completely, un it seems unrelated, but it's not. It was um, Pete Townsend from The Who once said, you either get it right and the people show up, or you don't and nobody gives an F. So, and, and I think that's the thing with judging of intention, right? Because uh, I can sit here and go, you know what? I put a whole bunch of effort into this podcast, uh, but if it didn't deliver for people, if there was nothing for them to take away from it, it doesn't matter what the effort is whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. If it doesn't deliver, right? You know, I could say, I wrote the funniest screenplay of all time. If nobody laughs, nobody cares. It doesn't matter, right? right. It, so again, it's there has to be results. To, to whatever you're doing. Uh, always, right? Like, again, that's, and that's where ownership starts to come into it, is once you become aware and you start taking ownership, you can start to move through it and change the pattern yeah. and demonstrate a different way. Repair trust, rebuild those walls with your team that you burned two years ago when you blew up at them in a staff meeting, right? Like, whatever. Like, there's a variety of situations that can exist. Three is unpack. This is feeling for the purpose of healing. This is allowing yourself to feel the trash from your past and understand physiologically how that's showing up in your body. Similar to the question that I was asking you. Yeah. The point here is to sit in it long enough only until it points you what's important. Now, there's, there's really a couple of ways to just, the unpacking is the most uncomfortable part. When I tell people, they're like, if I'm like, you want to get onto the, the wealth on the other side of your waist, you're going to have to feel like garbage for a minute. Yeah. Right? But most people can identify with feeling garbage for months or years when things aren't in alignment in their life. And so if you want to continue feeling like garbage, Keep doing the things you're doing. Right. If you'd like to escape it, just feel like it for a little while with intent. But here's the thing. I've said for years that in order to heal, we must feel. We must feel in order to heal. We've said that interchangeably. There's been science that's actually shown this, though. The heart has over 40,000 brain-like cells called sensory neurites. Mm -hmm. And what they've proven is that if you go through the process of intellectually alone processing the patterns of your past, the trash from your past, that you do not actually heal. You have to complete the 18 inch journey from your head to your heart and you have to embody and experience the feelings in your body to be able to unwrap the narratives associated with both. And that is when those cells actually heal. That's why a lot of people who go to therapy, for example, will leave feeling the same way they have because the questions are never ending perpetual questions of why, which makes them more judgmental of themselves and they don't ever understand where to go with it. They don't want to sit there for too much longer. And so until you can really trust the process, allow yourself to reconnect to feeling, it's not going to matter. And I'll tell you point blank, when I shut off physical pain because it exceeded my ability to cope, I shut off emotional pain, mental pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years. Wow. And I didn't know it. And the reason I say this is many people have learned to live largely intellectually 
shut off their emotions because the world has told us we need to show up with a smile on, we need to push through. But every time we push through, we push down and we start creating more pressure in that trash. The fourth step is flip the lid, okay? This is lay out your trash in the light, what emotions and thoughts are running through you right now. And I say this in the case of trigger, but it's literally list them out right now without attempt to rationalize. If anything we've said on this call today stirred some stuff up, take advantage of it, write it down right now, because it will make a difference for you. The reality of it is, is that this is about separating from fight or flight so that you can respond in every moment. Okay. Now, flip the lid is one of the areas that we tell people every single day, I want you to flip your lid and scan your can. We take trash out in our homes every day, but most people don't actually look at the trash they've accomplished in the interactions and relationships in their business and life that they bring home, that they absorb, that they decide just to push down. Yeah. I want you to scan your can daily and release what no longer serves you, but flipping the lid gets done in the moment. So when my wife asks me a question like that now, and I feel the physical reaction in my body, I know that it's not connected to her or the question she asked, and I can say something like this. Hey babe, I just got triggered by what you said, which means I don't think I heard you correctly. Can you please restate it? And I'll try to hear it with a more clear tone. And if for whatever reason, I'm not able to minimize my emotions, maybe we can pause this and revisit it later so that there's no damage created. Right, okay. Flipping the lid is awareness and ownership real time in the moment, right? It's, it's reacting, not responding, right? I'm well, sorry, responding, 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 not reacting. It's, it's intentional yeah. response versus the cellular reaction. But yeah, it's same difference. Yeah. The last step probably the most important, and this is the one that's probably hardest for people to get to. Um, doesn't mean that it can't be done. It's done a lot by our clients, but it's move. It's how do these emotions move in your body? How do they move through your world? And how do you move through them? Okay. okay? So move through body. I'll hit quickly. Shame in some situations and big meetings. When I was in the corporate world, I'd, I'd, I'd have people say, shh, Brian, you can't talk so loud. You can't talk so fast, right? Even if it was a situation that was my client, I orchestrated the meeting. It was all set up because of me. My team would still say comments like that because it, it wasn't appropriate in our world. But so what would that do? It caused me to shrink down, bite my tongue, shrink in my shoulders. Again, different physiological response, but I told you with shame and anger with my wife, it's a reaction. Yeah. Okay. It's very important that you start to be able to identify the physiological response in your body tied to any emotion, because then you can put yourself present in any mo- moment. Cause once you know how it moves, you can start to move, see how it moves through your world. So shame moves through my body five or six different ways and anger moves through my body five or six different ways. Wow. That's a, okay. That- Which makes it really hard to identify until you go to the effort of actually spending time identifying and making the connection. I have over 50 shame triggers that I'm aware of and over 60 anger triggers that I'm aware of. Wow. But that's how we start to move through these patterns because now's like, what could happen? My doorbell rings, my chihuahuas start yapping, I get on sensory overload, I get on edge all of a sudden, and now my son who's on the spectrum and my daughter who's hearing impaired, who may or may not have reacted to the same thing, will jump in my lap. What energy do you think they're receiving from me? Uh, they're probably going to freak out more because you're giving off a really kind of agitated vibe. Yeah. And again, that's my trash from my past. It has nothing to do with the dogs that are right in front of me, but it's a reaction to overwhelm and overstimulation. So what do I need to do? I have to be able to take a breath in that moment and ask myself two questions. Is what I'm reacting to due to the trash from my past or what's right in front of me? Right. And the second is what am I protecting in this moment? Typically those two questions allow me to neutralize, diffuse, and let go of any of the armor that goes up in those moments. I love it. What am I protecting? That's... That's pretty deep. Um, well, I I think this has been an amazing uh, wow. We've 
we've gotten to the end of the show. As you say, you, you walk fast, you talk fast. Uh, you got through a lot of uh, really interesting stuff there. And how can, you know, people listening get in touch with you? Uh, what, what should they look at? Um, where can you direct people from this conversation to learn more? Yeah, um, we are running challenges every single month uh, in the current state that is the Take Out Your Trash Challenge. It's in an app that we built that's gamified and highly interactive. And in the last three months alone, there have been over 15,000 positive actions for people to identify and remove the trash and step more into their power and potential. It's an easy access thing. Um, and we are offering that challenge for free for the next three months, though we've been charging for it historically. And uh, what I would tell you is this is definitely a place that you will get infinite impact in your life. So if you go to brianbogert.com or at Bogert Brian on any social media channel, um, you can literally reach out, ask about the retreat. We'll get you the information to register. Uh, but there's a lot of other resources as well. So that's just the easiest place to get to us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brian. This has been a really great conversation. And I hope to sometime have you back on the show again because there was so much more that I would have liked to get to. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate you. No problem. Thank you. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.